Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Uh, I'm going to be um, going to Exodus chapter 33. I'm going to have a lot of scriptures today. Um, I'm going to warn you, I'm not going to preach. I'm not going to preach whatsoever. I want to, well, I'll get to that part. I want everybody to say this in concert and in unity on three. One, two, three. This is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing as I will be reading from the book of Exodus. This is 40 years, just to give you some context as to the theme here, this is 40 years after Moses left Egypt. He left Egypt and went into Midian, and he dwelt there as a shepherd. He was the Old Testament's backslidden pastor. And so he was on the backside tending sheep. And this is what happens just before God calls Moses. Exodus chapter 33, verses 12 through 23. And it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, after this burning bush happens, he says, You say to me, bring up these people speaking of Israel who's in captivity to Egypt where Moses had fled from. He says, but you have not let, the, let me know whom you will send with me. And yet you have said, I know you by name. And you also have found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. Say, Lord, show me your way that I may know you and that I might find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, God said, say God said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. How many could use rest in the day in which we're living in? And I will give you rest. And then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Never try to fulfill God's will in your life without his presence going before you. Never try to accomplish something or do something without involving God. This is what Moses is saying. If you don't go with me, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. And so he said, for how then will it be known to your people that I have found grace in your sight except you go with us and so we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And he said, please, this is, this is, this is the reason why I'm here. I want you to pay close attention to this phrase that he says. He says, please show me your glory. On three, I want you to say that in concert. One, two, three. Please show me your glory. And then he said, I will make all my goodness. There it goes, Tamaki. I will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And But he said, but you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live God's too powerful to look upon, he's saying. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand in, on this rock, and so it shall be that while my glory, say glory, while my glory passes by, that I, will, that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by, and then I will take away my hand so you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. 
You may have your seat. Everybody say amen as you make your way down to your seat. I'm incredibly nervous this morning. I've been standing in 37. I've been standing up in front of people since I was in my teens. I've, uh, I don't say this to gloat. Trust me, I'll come right back down. I'm going to boast and then come down. Can I do that? There's, there's not one chapter that I know of in the Bible that I don't feel at least somewhat comfortable communicating, preaching, scripture verses. I've listened to, uh, this is not an understatement, thousands upon thousands of sermons, thousands of hours worth of sermons. I've put together many different sermons. Um, but this topic that I'm talking about makes me a little nervous. And I feel significantly inadequate. I always feel inadequate when I preach. But this, this particularly, because it's different. When I go to preach God's word, most of the time I usually feel something. I feel a leading on something. And I want to communicate it. And that makes me comfortable. You know, when I know the content. And I know God's leading me to do it. But when God shows you something and confirms something to talk about, and it's a subject that you know is an indescribable subject, it can be intimidating. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? It's kind of like it's worse than asking someone to describe love as it relates to describing the glory of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I believe we're really going to have some fun with it, but it is an intimidating subject. Say the glory of God. How do you describe the indescribable? Explain love to me. You can tell me the symptoms of love. You know, my mother cooks for me or my wife does my laundry. That's a symptom of love. But no one can really describe in the human heart if you've loved someone, if you've lost somebody you loved, and you think about that connection that you once had with that person on a very much a heart and soul level. How do you describe that? How do you describe that affection that you had for, you know, your, your grandparent or a mother or a child or a brother or a sister? Just, it's indescribable. Say it's indescribable. The feelings, you can try to describe it, but you still can't get to the depth of it. Well, that's how I feel when talking about the glory of God. So this, this past week, first of all, I've never talked, I've given little glimpses and phrases and we've prayed about the glory of God, but I've never really went in depth about it. And I'm, and I'm really not going to go in depth as much as I just want to share from my heart today. Will you allow me not to preach this morning? May I just share with you from the heart my experience about something that I cannot describe? Can I do that? I'm literally asking your permission. I'm probably going to do it anyway, but I still want to ask your permission. It's appropriate. There's two reasons why God sent Jesus to the earth. Two primary reasons. Do you want to know those two reasons? Number one, to die in our place so that we could reconnect with God because he being so holy and us being not so much created a gulf in between us and him, me and him and you and him. You know that. Right, we're so different. It's like uh, it's like a fish and a bird trying to fall in love. We're so different than him. He's quick to forgive, and we're quick to hold grudges. He's quick. To, he he he's 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 great at keeping promises, and we many times break them. We're different than him. Fish and a bird. And Jesus died to close the gap of separation between us being like fish. It's kind of funny because the Christian symbol is that of a fish. And he represents the dove. I just thought about that. He's bridging. Jesus came when he died. He was coming to bridge the gap between that gulf that separated us from the love of God. That's what he came for. But one of the second reasons he came is to give us a glimpse of himself in human form. God did. Say, God did that. Because you remember when, when, when Moses 
got put in the cleft of the rock and he said, I will pass by, but you can't see my glory because no man can see my face. No man can see my face. In other words, if God were to have shown Moses the fullness of his glory or to show him his face, it would have killed Moses. The human, the human side of Moses couldn't contain the power of God. It would have killed him. So God says, I'm not going to let you see my face, but I'll let you see my back. I'll let you, see, I'll let you peek in. So, so God wanting to do a better thing than that of Abel, I'm speaking scripturally and prophetically, in the Old Testament, we had to see God through a priest or a pastor or a minister. But now in the new covenant, say the new covenant, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the gospel, starting at the gospels, that starts the new Testament. God comes in a different way. He doesn't come through necessarily a priest or a prophet. He comes by way of Jesus, who is all those things, priest, prophet, king, etc. God in the flesh. He puts on a human form to, to give us the ability to see him without him annihilating us. Does that make sense? But now that Jesus died and ascended, now we can still have fellowship with God, but not in human flesh. It's by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Say the Holy Spirit. This is by the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and... Say it again. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what draws us back to the heart of God, whereby we can have relationship. You know you can't have a relationship apart from God, right? Like, you can't love God without God. Does that make sense? He says, no man, you want scripture, no man can come to me, Jesus said, unless he's drawn, unless he's drawn. The fact that you came here this morning, you think that you brought yourself, but the reality is, is that the love of God, the Holy Spirit, the mighty third person of the Trinity drew you into this place because he's wanting, he's drawing a generation back to himself by the Holy Spirit. Yes, it's hot this morning. Bear with us. It's half the Holy Spirit and half of the fact that we got to deal with the AC system. So just please bear with us this morning. We won't, be, we won't be long. But say it's by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was the glory of God. I wouldn't use that word. Brought down into human form to where we can still experience it him, experience him without dying. Did you hear that? Is that good? So, so it gave us the ability to commune with him. And then now the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, I can't stay here because he was only doing works in Jerusalem. He wanted things to happen in the uttermost parts of the earth, according to Mark chapter 16. So he had to send the Holy Spirit in order for that to happen. Jesus had to go to the cross, which has now happened. Say that's now happened. So, so, so we're moving on from that. I, I want to I I read a scripture to you. It's in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It'll be up on the screen, I believe, for your reading, New King James Version. And this, now we're in the New Testament. Now we've completely headed north. Okay, so we've gone from south in Exodus. Now we're in Hebrews. We don't completely know who the writer is in Hebrews. The Bible doesn't describe who that writer is, but some scholars say it's Paul, but it's a different language. I'm not a, necessarily a scholar. I'm a Bible teacher, but it doesn't have the same language as Paul. So if I don't feel, I don't share that same feeling. But nonetheless, it's a great writer, a great book to read. And it says in verse one, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. He has in these last days spoken to us by who? By his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. He's talking, who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, through whom also he made the worlds. Now watch this. Whom being the brightness of his what? Say it again. Glory and the express image of his son and upholding all things by the word of his power. And when he had himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much better than the angels, and, has, and he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. So I'm just using this scripture. I'm going to go back to one of these verses where it says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his son, God in human form. Say God in human form. Excuse me, express image of his person. 
excuse me, the express image, let me clean that up, express image of his person. Who's the person? No, no, no. Who's the person? God being the person. Who's the express image? Jesus. Okay. So express person, person, God, the glory of God inside of Jesus Christ becomes now the express image of God, his person. Does that make sense? The writer's a little different there, but it means he's the expression of God. He's the fullness of God in human form. So God is spirit. Say he's spirit. Jesus is the son who came in the flesh. That's the second person of the Trinity. And now that Jesus is gone, he's been crucified. What happened in Acts chapter two, what got poured out in the upper room? Is everybody following me this morning? The number two, so, so poured out in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit got poured out. So we have all three happening in the Bible, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Is Jesus here anymore? And what manifestation is Jesus still here? Yes, you got it. So the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Say Matthew. Luke. Luke and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So, so we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. God with us. Say with us. Jesus. With us in the flesh. The book of Acts. Is Jesus with us anymore? No. The Holy Spirit is here in us. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, God with us. Book of Acts, God in us. You see that? This speaks of better things than that of Abel, meaning, meaning this, is, this is a better covenant in which you and I live in. So, so where it's great to go to church, great to have a pastor, now you have direct access to God by way of the Holy Spirit, because of the redemptive blood of Jesus that was spilt on Calvary's cross 10,000 years ago. Is everybody tracking me? I said I wasn't going to preach, so let me reverse and come down. I wanted to give you a theological layout because anything said in any church or ministry, if it is not line upon line and it doesn't, it's not biblically written, run. So, because what I'm about to talk about this morning is very, very heavy, and I have to have biblical grounds, so I'm creating a foundation this morning. We won't show all the walls, but I'm laying a foundation. You don't want to be a part of any type of ministry or any type of uh, spiritualism that is not grounded and rooted in the Word of God. Amen? I'm okay with shouts. I'm okay with people falling down as long as they, number one, get up changed, and it's in the Bible. But if you're getting up still cursing and still stealing... Get in the prayer line next week. We'll get that dealt with too. As a little boy, as a little boy, just a little boy, we grew up very hard. My mom was uh, one of seven siblings, seven sisters. And um, uh, my grandfather was an alcoholic. And we've lost now two aunts to acute alcohol poisoning. And, uh, you know, my father was murdered when I was just nine years old. A um, lot of, lot of, dysfunction that we couldn't help. We went through a lot of tragedy, a lot of things. And so that sent me in a whirlwind of a lot of bad choices because, you know, I kept resisting my mother, resisting her, and I moved out and I was on the streets by the age of 15, like living on the streets. She couldn't, she didn't know what to do with me. <laughs> Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth, mom. She had no idea. She had to literally put me in God's hands. She didn't know what to do drugs, alcohol, you name it, all the rest. And I was running as far from God as I possibly could. But in the midst of all of that, you know how you can live in sin and but you still love God? Like you know there's something more. You love him and you just you just don't it's sin is a disease that all of us suffer with. It's a disease. Did you know that? It's a spiritual disease. That's why Paul said, that which I do not want to do, I do. You know when you do that thing you don't want to do? It's a disease called sin. And it can only be dealt with. There's only one reciprocity, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice. And the Holy Spirit is that person who empowers you to live out the will of God because you can't live it apart from him. You can try. How many have tried and failed? I got two hands. I've tried and failed. The Holy Spirit is who he makes it, he makes living out Christianity easy. Yeah, I know that's easier. Yeah, you still want to send people to heaven early, but it makes it easier. 
Did you catch that? You want to send people to heaven early? Like, Lord, can I just send them to you? They need you more than I do. But as a little boy, I always felt so deeply a deep call. I, I, I don't, I had many, you can pray for me. I need maybe some more inner healing. But I don't, there's a, there's a gap that I don't remember uh, years, years, just because of the trauma of childhood and all those things. There's a gap, like a huge five-year gap. I don't remember nothing. There's nothing there. It's like a empty. Maybe it's God protecting me. Uh, you know, it's a big gap. But I do remember, I remember my mother coming in with the Bible. You know, she would come in with the Bible. I just remember the red writing. I remember her sitting on my bed and reading those writings as a little boy. And uh, I, I remember how my heart felt as a little boy. I, I, it's like, um, how do I describe this? The indescribable. You remember when John was in Elizabeth's belly? This would be John the Baptist. And Mary, who was carrying Jesus when they came in the same room, and the baby leaped. The first time I ever heard the word of God read to me, it was like something in me leaped. It's like, that's it. I remember the red writing. She would read me Jesus' words. You know that's what the red writing is, Jesus' words. I leaped, and I, I never forgot that my whole life. I have never forgotten that. Just one simple moment. The rest of those years, I do not remember. But as a little boy, I had this insatiable, irresistible desire to do something for God, to just be with him. Because much of my life, because of the pain, heartache, uh, dysfunction, all of those things, the rejection, everything I went through, I knew there was something much, much more real. And I knew I was here for more than, than just to experience pain and heartache. I knew there was something more. And I knew it could be found in a relationship with Jesus. So I always had this unusual drawing to God, un very unusual like almost weird. I was the guy who's sitting on the steps in the auditorium. I couldn't get a girlfriend. No, I couldn't get friends. No friends. I was the guy in the auditorium and the guys with the jinkos and the black clothes, they'd come sit next to me because they felt bad for me. And they were always by themselves. So you know it was bad. When you got the outcast coming to sit with the other, you know, somebody who's even further outcast, I was in bad shape relationally. You know, nervous, couldn't get a date. If I asked the girl, they wanted nothing to do with me. I believe it was the Lord preserving me and preserving purity. I believe that. And I said, Lord, why do I everywhere? I, I just don't fit in anywhere. And uh, thank God I got a pretty wife, though. But I always felt that, that this insatiable drawing. Some of you will feel it this morning. An insatiable drawing because even when I talk about the glory of God, you will feel the nudges of the Holy Spirit drawing your heart. And do you know that's where I believe that God is calling us all to live? All to live. Because listen, the reason your heart doesn't feel at home on earth because this is not your home. You're having a sleepover. I never said that, but it's true. It just the Holy Spirit gave me that. You're just having a sleepover. This is this is a slumber party. This this is the dressing room before you get to eternity. And that's why some of y'all say something about our hour-long worship. I got something to say to you. It's it's literally going on for eternity in heaven. So we got to get to practicing right now. Amen. Amen. But I would, feel, I would feel this extraordinary drawing. And the reason why I want to share this, because I, I want you to see where we're going as a church. Does anybody want to know where we're going? Because this is not about me. This is about us. But I believe that God will use someone. He'll use a, a woman. He'll use a man. He'll use someone. He'll allow them to go through a trial. He'll allow them to be processed. And, and not because he wants to just do something with that person, but he sees who that person is going to impact because he's wanting to bring a community into a certain reality. Does that make sense? And one of those realities is I believe that God, even though, I don't, boy, it sure seems like Jesus is coming back soon, but I can't guarantee that he's going to come back next year. But I do know this for 100%. I can't guarantee, I've seen too many prophets say, he's coming back in 2020. He's coming back in 2000. I'm not going to say that. But just like I always say, if the disciples said that they were in the last days, we are in the last minutes. There's no doubt in my mind, but I don't know the day or the hour. If I were to stand up here and tell you the day or the hour, I would be a heretic because the Bible says, my Bible says, and your Bible says that no man knoweth the day nor the hour. 
So I don't have it with specificity, but I do have a generalization that we are in the last days. Is that fair enough to say? And so God is going out of his way to a generation right now, meaning you. Look at somebody and say, he's talking about you. You can look behind you too if nobody's next to you. He's drawing his people. He's going out of his way in an extraordinary way to draw the hearts of his people because he's calling his family back together because something is happening, right? Something's happening, happening in the world. Something's happening in our hearts. This is unusual drawing. Well, I felt that drawing since a little bit of boy. And so if you wonder why I conduct myself the way that I do and minister the way that I do, I'm going to tell you what the first 10 years of my life looked like in the Lord. The first 10 years when I first got saved, I was about 17 years old, but I'd already been on the streets for a couple of years living in an abandoned houses and things of that nature. I get radically saved. I had an, a radical encounter with the Lord, and I felt the Lord really speak to me almost audibly. And from that day of that happening, if you haven't been here and heard that testimony where the Lord showed me a vision of a road, a dark road, a road that was full of light, I had, I, and I heard these words, choose this day whom you will serve. And when I said, I choose you, Lord, like a thousand bricks, like a thousand pounds came off of my shoulders and I never went back to the drugs. I never went back to the alcohol and I've never been the same and I've never looked back. So we're not talking about jailhouse religion or we're not talking about not to say that God can't rescue you in jail. I'm not talking about any type of religion you find at the altar at the church or, you know, someone praying Spiritus Santos over you and putting a piece of communion on. All oh, that's great. I got saved outside in God's pulpit and it was an authentic, real touch from the Lord and I have never went back. But as I began to go to a church, it was called True Ministries. And every single night, Friday night, I remember because where Jesus Image was having their, um, they would conduct their meetings on Colonial Drive up to recently. That used to be a TJ Maxx on 50, right across from Colonial Ridge where my brother and I roommated together for years. And um, it was just right across the street where we had went to church there up to recently. But before it was a TJ Maxx and every Friday night I would go get a new t-shirt before I went to church. You know, you always got to look good to go to church when you're young and you're in your teens. So I would always go get a t-shirt before we would go to the meeting. And the meeting would start about 6.30 or 7. And this hasn't happened to me since. Hasn't happened to me since. But for the next almost 10 years, I would be bathed in what I'm about to describe. I can only describe it as when I were to walk in the atmosphere of this building. 75, 100 people. Not too many more than what you see here. I would tremble. As soon as I would walk in the door, as soon as I would walk in, do you remember that? You, you, would, you, would, you would tremble. At least I did. Maybe, you know how God can do something in a meeting or at a church setting like this and it not be happening to someone else? For Donnie Smith, I would walk into the room. There'd be no preaching. There would be nobody leading worship. There would just be YouTube. It wasn't even YouTube back then. It wasn't even YouTube. It was one of the slideshows. I was 17 and 18 years old and I would begin to tremble where my knees couldn't even stand up. And I would stay prostrate on my face for two and a half hours and sometimes wake up at 11 o'clock at night. And I would literally, my skin would be buzzing. Like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just, I, you hardly couldn't talk. I was just trembling all over. And, and, and I know that it was the Lord allowing me to experience him in a tangible way. Now, let me give a disclaimer before I go forward. Your relationship with God has nothing to do with a feeling. It has nothing to do. I have not had feels for two years at a time. If you're married, you know the feels aren't always going to be there. Have you ever been in a relationship? You know, one month, two months, the feels are there, and then sometimes you get a year or two in, they're not always there. But that being said, at some point, the feels should pop back up. And if the feels aren't popping back up, go have dinner with her. We got to have dinner soon, honey. We will. It will come up. The fields will pop back up. And this is, this is by default. This is by default what should happen in a relationship. There will not always be fields. But when something is real and authentic, you cannot, ha it, you cannot help but have some fields there. Does that make sense? So it's not, you cannot hang the marriage on the fields, but there should be something happening in the human heart that says, this is why I married her. This is why I married him. This is why I love this person, this mom, this dad, or, or sibling, or whatever it might be. 
And this is what the glory of God does. It glues you to that. Did you, do you know what oxytocin is? I'm be a little bit of a doctor for a moment. Oxytocin is something that the natural body produces and it's released in a few different moments in a person's life. Like when you look at someone in their eyes and you love them and you feel that feeling, the body secretes something on the inside called oxytocin. Uh, doctors will cause this, call this the super glue of the human heart. When someone comes together for the first time with a spouse, prayerfully, your spouse or someone, this is released. This is also released when a mother nurses her young, that connection that she feels. Or when a father uh, has the baby, they, they told me to you know, take off your shirt and hold the baby here skin to skin. And it builds the bond that the, 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 the baby catches the father's scent. It catches the mother's scent. And a bond is released. They call it the super glue. This is why breakups are hard. It's called the super glue of, of relationships. Oxytocin, remember that word. This is why when someone goes from a relationship, I know I'm getting off a bunny trail, I'm pulling, pulling one, of my, one of my friends right now. This is why it's hard in breakups because when you go from breakup to breakup to breakup, it gets easier to stay in that same pattern because you lose your adhesive. You lose the super glue that God divinely put in you. You know what my wife and I did? I'm going to tell a secret. And then I'm going to finish talking about the glory of God. This is real sacred. I might get in trouble. You know, we were dating for a long while before. And we did not, you know, do that. We didn't do that. It was difficult. Lord, take me home. Our, our wedding night... Before, you know, we became husband and wife and became one, we literally got down on our knees and we prayed together and we said, Lord, anything that happened in our past, spiritually restore our hearts and restore the oxytocin levels in our body. <laughs> she hasn't leave my side since. We've been stuck like glue. Isn't that a song? Stuck like glue? I haven't yet seen this ever since then. Ten years, I was bathed in that, what I'm describing to you. I would walk into these meetings, and I would tremble, and I would tremble, and I would tremble. I'd say, Father, what are you doing in me? What are you doing in me? And uh, I, I, I know now that I, I'm going to describe the indescribable. I know now that I was experiencing the glory of God. Not the anointing. I want to teach you about that for a second. I have to decipher there's a difference. When you say, man, that was anointed. Have you heard that before? Have you heard the word anointing? Yes. The anointing, when you see something, the anointing empowers somebody to do something that God wants them to do. It's very heightened levels. They're anointed to preach. They're anointed to lay hands on, you know, or, or minister to someone, or they're anointed for a certain task. They have the power to do something. The, the anointing empowers you to do something for God. Say it empowers me to do something for God. The glory is different. Do not mistake glory with anointing. They're two different, totally different things. The glory will, excuse me, the anointing will wake you up. The glory will shut you up. You see the difference? The glory will, will it'll almost, it'll, yes, thank you, Holy Spirit. It'll subdue you. It subdues you. When God's trying to do a work in an individual's life, he will subdue you. You ever seen someone laying on the floor? I'm not saying this is always the manifestation because you can be sitting there in your seat and God, you feeling his glory and him working in your heart and there be no outward manifestation. But nonetheless, the surgeon, the doctor, God uses his glory to get you still enough, long enough so he can do a work in you that a sermon cannot do. That reading, even reading your Bible, all those, those are all great. Now, let me just say this. You must read God's word to feed yourself. But all I'm saying, as I was so messed up as a young boy, I needed to get in something called the glory where God could subdue me and do a work in me so I could eventually do a work for him. Do you see that? What happens in the glory? There's no notes here if you're wondering what I'm doing, but my computer keeps... Uh, shutting down here. What is the glory there for? God is purifying his people. He, use, he uses his glory to purify his bride. 
You know, that's what God is doing, right? That's what, that's what he's doing in this hour. He's purifying people. Purity is not underrated. Amen. Who shall see God? The pure in heart will see God. Listen, listen to me. You may never come back here again. And God, will, you will have to deal with that between you and the Lord. That's not me. I'm not looking for members. I'm looking for a pure body, just like what Jesus is looking for. The Bible says, and I quote, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord except he who has clean hands and a pure heart? So when we allow God's glory to touch us and subdue us, like what was happening to Moses, he's a stuttering pastor, a backslidden pastor. He sees the burning bush and uh, he comes out of a place of disobedience, but the glory made him obedient to that which God called him to. Because what glory will do, it'll subdue you and arrest you to where you can't be happy doing anything else but doing the will of God. And that's what God's glory will do. Listen, listen, listen to this. Listen, John chapter one, verses one through five. Is this okay? Am I spooking you guys? I see some of you are like, I have never heard this kind of stuff before. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Who was the word? Capital W here. It's Jesus. Say Jesus. And the word was God. There it goes. He was God. He is God. Say he is. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now I want to jump down to verse 14 and it says this, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now watch this. Just in case you're in here, I feel there is a little bit of doubt in the room. It's okay. That's okay too, because many of us don't think that we can receive or not, we're not worthy of God's glory. Say, I'm worthy because he made me worthy. Watch this. And we beheld his glory as the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. He was the glory of God contained in one body. Watch what second Corinthians says. Chapter three, verse 13. But we all with unveiled face, this is the New Testament. But we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, what? Say it again. But we all, look at somebody and say, that means you. Yeah, that means you. That means me. We all with, unve with an unveiled face. Do you know what they're talking about, an unveiled face? Okay, so if we go back to Exodus, Moses went up the mountain and spent so much time with God that his face began to glow, and he didn't know he was glowing, and people couldn't look at Moses, so they put a bag over his face because they couldn't look upon him. They said, your face is glowing. Any, any, any good minister will not know what's on him. They don't have to gloat themselves. They don't have to say, hey, I'm anointed, none of that. They put the bag over his face because he was so, he had been so saturated and soaked in the glory of God. But now we're in a new covenant, say a new covenant, in the New Testament. And so this is what the scripture means by saying, but we all with an unveiled face beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. And guess what it does? Guess what the glory does? It transforms us into the same image from glory to glory. Yes, that's what the glory does. The glory of God. The presence of God is different than the glory of God. The anointing of God is different than the glory of God. The glory of God will subdue you to do a work in you until Christ is formed in you and I. And we are all being transformed. Say, I'm being transformed into, into the same image from glory to glory. And what's it by? just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's all by the Spirit. I have seen people, I have seen people in denominations not growing more like Jesus. I've seen people coming to church and they've hopped from church to church to church to church to church and I can go on and on. And they're still not changed because it's not about a man. It's not about a sermon. 
I have seen people listen to sermon after sermon until they're blue in the face, and there's been no true change and transformation. But when the glory of God steps in a room, when you can feel the, the, the untangible becoming tangible in a room, it begins to minister to every need. And guess what begins to happen? While this person is suffering from a loss of a child on one side of the room, and the other person is getting a calling from God, the preacher doesn't need to say anything. God's glory is ministering to that situation. At the same time, simultaneously, God is equipping over here and he's healing someone over here. Does that make sense? It's the glory of the Lord. The presence and power of Almighty God. Is this okay? I want to read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. This is the Message Bible. And I will also read it in the Passions Translation. So a few different translations here gives you uh, just an overall view with uh, more of a simplistic language. It says, whenever through, or yes, whenever though they turn to face God, just as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. And suddenly they recognize that God is a living personal presence. Did you know that? That God is a living person. He's alive. But he's not physically out here. He's in your heart. He's in our hearts. And he's in this room. Say face to face. And so they suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence. Not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legalism is recognized as obsolete. Talking about religion. We are free of it. All of us. Nothing between us and God. Our faces shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like I don't know about you, but I want that. I want that. Far be it from us to spend decades in a religion that doesn't bring true change and transformation. Far be it from us to open up a living word and supposedly serve a living God and, and live out a dead religiosity. I don't know about you, but I want God in my life. I want him there when I'm waking up in the morning. I want him, I want my heart being moved when I'm in a meeting like this. I want my heart touched. I want to be in the car and I turn on the radio and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up and begins to move on my heart. How many want that? The human heart, listen, listen to me. The human heart, when you experience less than that, your life will feel like you're out of water, like a fish. That's what it feels like. Because we were, we were meant for him. We were meant for a deep intimacy. You know how I know? We think we want relationships. And then we connect. Finally, we connect. We're married. And you find out that the void is still there. You get the promotion. And you thought it would satisfy. And it still can't meet it. You have children. And the void is still there. Because God created the human heart. He's your creator. He created it with specificity. That's a cool word. I overuse it. I like it. It makes me sound smart. He created it with specificity. And your heart is like a glove that only fits his hand. Other things are able to come in it and share it, but only he fits the bill perfectly. And the glory and the presence of God, Jesus, his son, God, the father, God, the son, the Holy Spirit, it fits oh so perfectly. I know you haven't been made to feel that you're perfect, but you are perfect for him. It's a perfect fit. You and him are a perfect fit. I don't care how many people rejected you. I don't care how many people ever will reject you. How many people may not feel that you're the right position for the job or the right fit for that position? Doesn't matter. You're a perfect fit for him. It's a match made in heaven. 
God's glory, God's presence, Jesus, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, you're perfect fit for him. And you will always feel like a fish out of water when we lack this certain element. Now listen to me. You can be in religion and go to church every Sunday and still feel empty. You can go from Catholicism to Darwinism. You can read the Quran through and through. You can read the New King James Version. You can own every version on the shelf. You can have, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read your Bible. Know it verbatim. You can know the first five books of the Bible like our Muslim friends. I love them. One of my close friends is a Muslim. You can believe that or not. And not know Jesus. Jesus, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, the three in one, are, he doesn't share any room with anybody. Everything else and everyone else is only icing on the cake. He is the cake. <laughs> God's so funny. <laughs> he said, tell them, Taste and see that I'm the only one who's really good. Yeah, he's the cake. In case you didn't know this, the book of Psalms says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's Bible. Is everybody okay? Second Corinthians, the Passions translation, I'm really about to close. Second Corinthians Chapter 3, same verse of Scripture. Now I've read three different sections. We'll go into the Passion Translation. It says, We can all draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. With no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the what? The glory of the Lord. And we are being transfigured into His very image as we moved from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is spirit. He's spirit. Say he's spirit. I want to tell you quickly about a dream. I'm nervous about telling you this. I'm very shy about what I'm about to tell you. I haven't even told my family this. It's something very sacred to my heart. Do you want to hear it? Yes. You promise you won't judge me? It's so near and dear to me, but I, I feel it's so... It's so impacted and it changed my life. It's what enables me to do what I do inexhaustedly. I don't run out of gas easily because God did a work in my heart after this experience. It's very holy to me. I'm not even sure I even told my wife. This was back in 2009 or 10. I had a dream. You ever had a dream that was so real? Like just so real. I hear about these people seeing Jesus. I'm like, I was jealous. I'm like, what's wrong with me, Lord? You know? You know, people say, I've seen Jesus. I've got friends who said they literally Jesus appeared to them. I'm like, I really prod at them. Uh, you know, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Say it's in the Bible. It is in the Bible. But I'm but I'm always a little uh, you know, I act like doubting Thomas. I'm like, okay. My friend, Matt Gilman, he said, yes, I really physically, I said, was it physical? Did you see, was this a dream? Was it, you know, what was it? I needed to know the details. So I sat him down after worship and I wanted to know, tell me all the details. And he physically had seen the Lord. And I, I you know, I was a little bit holy jealous, you know, the holy jealousy thing. I'm like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Visit me. Well, back in 2010, I'm sleeping, minding my own business. And, um, I had this dream, and it was my, a dream of my pastor. My pastor. And my pastor reached out his hand like this, and all of a sudden, I don't see any body. It's not a body. It's a, just a face, and I seen the most beautiful face. Just, it was a dream. Most beautiful face. You tell you, look, Aramaic. Wasn't a big beard. The most beautiful eyes that you'd ever seen. And he didn't say a word to me. The face just got closer and closer and closer and closer. 
I could, I could, I could feel his power in the dream. So, so much power, the closer he drew, the more weak I felt. And the face just got, kept getting closer. But I can no longer see my pastor reaching out. It's, my, it's not my pastor any longer. It's just how God was using how I related to my pastor. My pastor was a good man. And so I was, you know, God uses symbolisms. You, you understand? And so he reached out and I just see Jesus' face only, only his face. But I knew he was reaching out to me. And when he touched, he touched me. I could say he puts, I don't even know how to describe this. I could say it in tongues. He touched me. Did I tell you this ever? He, he, I'll never forget this. I'm forever branded with this imagery. He touched me. It's like he, but I felt like he put something there. When he touched me, it was like, uh, is this if you put your hand in a socket and, and you're jolted, but there's no pain. There's no pain. There was no pain. But such energy, such power flowing from his virtue. And in this face, it was like totally authoritative, scary, lion-like. And all at the same time, when you're looking at this face, Jesus's face, meek and mild and so much love. It's, it's something all in one, all in one. Power and meekness like a lion and a lamb all at the same time. It's all intermixed, all into one. It's like you want to hug him, but you, you know all at the same time that he, the, the world would annihilate if he moved the wrong way. Does that make sense? Like that's how Jesse Duplantis described his encounter. It's like I, I, you could tell. It was just in one package, both lion and lamb. It's the only way I could describe it. And when he touched my belly, it hit me. It lasted about five seconds. It was so powerful that I literally came out of my dream in my, it was like my skin was, uh, it was like electricity. It was such power, such glory is the only way I can describe it, such glory. And, and, and for some reason, I knew in my mind, God just equipped me. I'm gonna validate the scripture to let you know we're not weird here, okay? It's the first time I've ever told this. Paul said he had imparted gifts by the laying on of hands. The apostle Paul, who established the early church, he laid hands and people received the Holy Spirit. Come on, am I being biblical? It says, stir up the gift, Timothy, that was imparted into you from the laying on of my hands. So something happened when I felt the Lord lay his hand on me in a dream. This was not physical, but a physical manifestation happened. And it hit me so hard that I woke up out of my sleep completely up, energized, awake, and it was like electricity all over me and I knew I knew I knew that God had just put something in me for his work and I have never ever turned back do you know what my life scripture is it's not like many others you, you didn't say yes or no no you don't want to hear okay close your ears zeal for your house has eaten me up. This scripture was when Jesus went into the temple, he went into the church and he turned over all the tables of the money changers. And he threw all the money changers and his disciples didn't understand him. But later after Jesus' ascension, they remembered the scripture and they were reminded of this scripture and they branded Jesus with it. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. This is what keeps me up. Whatever God did to me that day. And listen, I have to tell you, yes, we're all special, but I'm not special to him. God is no respecter of persons. If you desire a touch from the Lord, if you desire to experience his glory, if you desire to experience a personal relationship with Jesus that will dwarf every other lover and every other aspiration in your life, he'll give it to you. He'll give it to you. Do you know there's only one qualification? Do you know there's one qualification? Whoever's hungry and thirsty. The Bible says whoever's hungry and thirsty for righteousness would be filled. I'm going to share another dream. This is very recent. Next week will be less serious. had a dream this was in the past couple of years right when we were in the middle of starting the church and this is why I preach this way 
because we cannot preach like we're on a pleasure cruise. The hour is late. It's too late for that. I had this dream. I was standing. I sent it to Tamaki. It was a dream. I was standing at this building front that was full of glass windows. It's all I could I could put it like, like a big Hilton, but it was all glass front. And I'm overlooking the ocean. And I'm, and I'm looking out over the horizon miles and miles away while everybody is hanging out, enjoying fun, and just enjoying each other's company, talking. I hear the chatter in the background. People are eating. There's glass clinging. There's china tapping. They're having a grand time. But as I'm looking over the horizon, all of a sudden I see a swell. I see a swell. And the swell was so high, the wave was so high that it darkened the sun. And I believe, you know what I believe it represented? And the building was hit by this, tsunami is not the word. This was bigger than a tsunami. I believe that this wave represented the glory of God that is coming to the earth. It shouldn't be shocking to you. Because in Habakkuk chapter 2, you can stand to your feet. Habakkuk chapter 2, it'll be up on the screen. Verse 2, excuse me, verse 14. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Watch this. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Listen, when you have dreams like that, and I am closing, when you have dreams like this, dreams are usually never, ever, ever. Um, they're always symbolic, not literal. Does that make sense to you? Dreams are symbolic only. Am I right, Tamaki? Not literal. Open visions are different. If you see an open vision, we, maybe this might happen. It might be literal. And those are very rare. Open visions are very, very rare. Dreams are symbolic. It's God trying to say something. So that wave, I believe, when water is described in the Bible, it always represents almost exclusively of two things, cleansing, purification, or the glory of God. And that's what I prophesy. By faith. By faith, and I believe by unction. I believe I've fulfilled my assignment this morning to wet your taste buds for the glory of the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 2. Again, it says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge. The knowledge. Do you know why people do not experience the glory of God? Because they don't have much knowledge of it. And awareness. And I pray that this morning. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. I pray that you would release over this congregation, your people, a greater level of knowledge of the glory of the Lord, of the Holy Spirit. Awaken it, Lord. Wherever there might be things, abuse, heartache, pain, shame, disappointment, heaviness, that would create blockage of your goodness, that you want to release over your people. And I believe that goodness and glory, go, they coincide. Because God wants to release his glory over each and every one of us. I believe that. Why? Because he is good. He is good. His goodness. He wants to reign over each and every one of our lives. So I pray that for each and every one, Lord. Release your glory. And I pray that you would prepare this body. I pray that you would prepare the world. Prepare, prepare this city. Prepare our families, Lord, for this great release that I believe is going to happen in the body of Christ. And I even pray, I just even feel that right now, young people, young people, from teenager and older, I want you to just, I want you to just lift your hand. I want to see you. If you're between the ages of 11 and 25, I want to see your hand. 11 and 25, let me see your hand. I'm going to call you out if you don't raise your hand. There you go. Good man. Keep your hand up. I pray in Jesus' name that this generation, these young men that are raising their hands up would be a Joel chapter two generation, 
The Bible says in the last days, God will pour out his spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters would prophesy. Young men would see visions and old men would dream dreams. I pray that over this generation. Everybody else lift up your hands. Father, I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Give me more, Joel, if you can. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would release your glory. Give your people even more than what you gave me. I pray that you would respond. You're so good, Lord. I know you will. You will respond to the hunger in every single heart. You will respond to the hunger in every person that's represented here. You'll respond to their heart cry, their heart cry for a greater touch from you, a visitation. I even pray that. I pray, yes, I feel like the Lord wants me to pray for an increased, increased visitations in his people's lives. Yeah, yeah. A visitation should not hinge your, keep your hands lifted. It will not hinge your relationship with God, but it sure, certainly willing. It certainly will, will remind you. It will, be, it will be like a mile marker, a stake in the ground of when God did touch you. And I pray that for each and every one of you. Lord, give your people increased awareness of your presence. And I pray that the glory of the Lord would be released over each and every one of you, every person under the sound of my voice and every person who's watching by live stream right now. Father, release your glory through that lens right now. Release your glory over this city, over these families in Jesus' name. Local congregations, release your glory and your power in a mighty way. God, I pray that you would prepare us for that spiritual wave that's coming to the United States of America and the globe, Lord. Awaken our hearts, Lord. Make us keenly aware and give us, Lord, the knowledge of the glory of God. Lord, I pray that. I declare Habakkuk over your people for the earth and your people will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's my prayer this morning for each and every one of you. Increased dreams, increased visions, increased spiritual gifts that line up with the word of God. And not in a way that would make you weird, but that would make you effective in the earth and in your job, in your family, in Jesus' mighty name, in every relationship. I pray that your glory would so intensify, so intensify, Lord, that when, when people, when people who are living in the world or living in sin would encounter your people, they would experience the glory of the Lord. Yes, let the glory of the Lord rest upon each and every single person in this place. It's not about a feeling, but I pray that that feeling would increase in Jesus' name. Let the power of the Spirit of the living God fall on every single one. Any demonic power that would try to hold your people back from receiving all that you have for them, Holy Spirit, I pray would be arrested, would be rendered powerless in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. More, Lord, more. More of your glory more of your power, more of an awareness of you, Holy Spirit, more. Just lift up your hands all over this building, all over this building. More, more of your glory, more of your power, more of your spirit. Come here, Tamaki. More, Lord, more. Tamaki, come. More, Jesus, more of you. Make us ready for what's coming. Make us ready for what's coming. Just pray for that release over the body. The glory of the Lord. Father of lights, we bless you today. We bless you, the Lord of glory. And we bless you, Jesus. Hope of glory that dwells within us. The combination of lights and the power of God combination of the light, the light of your countenance and the power of God. In the name of Jesus, we ask of you, Father, and the Holy Spirit, fire, the water, wind, release your glory of a Father over us Release in the name of Jesus. Come on, cry out for a church. Release, Lord, the glory of God. On, As the temple mouth. was filled with glory when the dedication of Solomon's temple was made, people could not minister because of the glory of God fell 
Oh, so Father, we ask your glory will fall upon us as a wind, the fire, the water. Right now, Father, that the hope of glory who dwells within us to be activated, that for us, Lord, be filled with the hope of glory that is Christ Jesus himself within us. As we declare, we have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. And the life we live, it is not we, but Christ. The anointing lives within us. And the life we live in the flesh, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us, gave His life for us. So Lord, release that hope of glory within us. We activate in the name of Jesus to come forth, come forth, come forth, come forth. And we give you thanks and glory. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.